Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Now today I want to look at an essay by uh, Richard J. Evans on Berlin in the 1920s. And, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the reasons why I want to do that is because there are some interesting things to be said uh, about the, these kinds of historical intersections between uh, time period and place. Um, there are numerous examples if you look at, oh I don't know, New York in the 1970s. Um, the combination of uh, cultural, uh, political uh, and, and economic change creates this very vibrant, extremely violent, crisis-ridden city uh, of which there's, there's an awful lot to, to discuss and some, some fascinating uh, realisations to come of that. And Berlin is uh, a city like no other in the 1920s. Not only uh, after the um, end of the First World War had a modern Berlin been kind of reborn in a way, um, almost a, well, and almost certainly as the result of the uh, revolution that unseated uh, the Kaiser and created the Weimar government uh, and uh, a modern constitution, however flawed, that did offer uh, people new rights and freedoms that they had never uh, experienced under the Kaiserreich. Um, it was a, a city that uh, was at the cutting edge of the avant-garde, of modernity. It was the most exciting and vibrant place for uh, Bohemians from Christopher Isherwood to Robert Kappa to gravitate to towards the, uh, during the 20s and 30s. Um, and it was really at the, at the centre of um, big aesthetic and political movements. Um, and it would unfortunately and tragically be uh, Nazism that would win out. However, Berlin and Nazism have a, a very kind of fraught relationship with one another. Um, to give you an example of, of this, it was the mission of Goebbels uh, by Hitler um, to really... Um, Go and bring Berlin to to heel uh, as uh, one of as Hitler's uh, Nazi propagandists before the Nazis came to power. His uh, mission to go and kind of win the city over to Nazism um, before um, prior to that, it's referred to by the Nazis as Red Berlin. It is the the epicenter of uh, worker activism 
and um, uh, rate trade union and Marxist politics. Okay, so without further ado, let's just read a little bit from Berlin in the 20s by Richard J. Evans. This is from the brilliant book, uh, The Third Reich in History and Memory. For liberals and leftists in Germany, Berlin has always represented the dark side of German history. Capital of the military state of Prussia, it became the grandiose centre and symbol of the Reich founded by Bismarck in 1871. Always culturally stuffy, conservative, dull, backward, dominated by civil servants and soldiers. No wonder when they established the Democratic Republic following the revolution that overthrew the Kaiser after Germany's defeat in the First World War, the victorious liberals and social democrats sought to distance themselves symbolically from holding the constituent assembly in the provincial town of Weimar, even uh, for, <clears throat> forever associated with the name of Germany's greatest poets Goethe and Schiller. Weimar was, of course, far from the revolutionary turbulence and street fighting that was raging across the capital in the early months of 1920. But it was also far from the, its associations with a past that they wanted to reject. It took a while for Berlin to lose those associations. Before the First World War, modernist culture had flourished everywhere. Elsewhere, I beg your pardon. Uh, above all, in the Bavarian capi uh, capital Munich in South Germany, with artists like Vasily Kandinsky, Alexei von Jelavinsky, uh, Franz Marc and August Mack uh, pioneering abstract and semi-abstract paintings in the group they clubbed De Blau Reiter, or the Blue Rider. With radical clubs and cabarets, little socialist or anarchist uh, meetings, and left-wing writers and playwrights flourishing the Schwebing, the bohemian quarter of the town, Munich's equivalent to Paris's left bank. So what is being argued here is that Berlin was the unlikely home of the of av the avant-garde in the 1920s and the unlikely home of the um, uh, of revolutionary politics however um, what happens is that there is this kind of strange inversion where Munich instead of being the home of uh, liberal thinking um, small anarchist and socialist newspapers and uh, avant-garde art becomes the the basis of uh, reactionary politics in Germany. Really, it is the the hometown of the Nazis. Um, why? Well, this has a lot to do with the fact that it was the home of the Rata Republic. The Rata Republic was the revolutionary the the, the revolutionary socialist republic in 1919 that was violently crushed by the Freikorps. Um, the uh, end of the Bavarian monarchy at the end of the First World War and the um, brief seizure of power uh, of Kurt Eisner who was uh, assassinated by a right-wing um, terrorist um, led to the rule in the Russian Republic of first Ernst Toller, then Eugen Levine two far more extreme figures who brought a far more Leninist, violent, uh, Bolshevik um, dictatorship to Bavaria. It didn't last long. In the spring of 1919, um, the Social Democrats in um, Berlin um, crushed the um, rep uh, Republic uh, with the Freikorps, um, and the communist regime in the Republic was uh, murdered uh, in, in a violent bloodbath. And in the aftermath, not only had um, left uh, politics discredited its, themselves completely in uh, Bavaria, 
when the, um, the Rata Republic started uh, executing hostages. That really was, uh, was the end for the avant-garde and the left there. And also, it meant that the um, crackdown had killed off um, anybody who proposed these sorts of ideas anyway. They'd either fled, been imprisoned, or been, been executed. So it meant that uh, Bavaria... Um, and Munich particularly, was, was kind of ground zero for right-wing politics. It was a place where uh, right-wing ideas, extreme nationalist ideas, could be expressed without uh, any hindrance. The situation is different in Berlin the following year, when the right-wing journalist Wolfgang Kapp uh, seized, or seized power temporarily with the Freikorps, um, and was uh, brought down by a German um, civil service general strike. Um, the uh, trade unionists uh, brought Berlin to a standstill, and uh, the Freikorps and CAP lose their nerve and uh, flee um, until um, democratic rule can be uh, quickly restored. So... What that was, what that was, what that rep represented was uh, a victory for the uh, forces of kind of progressive thought, um, liberalism, intellectualism, uh, and socialism, and it represented a uh, in Munich completely the opposite. So, in a funny way, these two cities kind of invert themselves culturally and politically in the nineteen twenties. So, in the Atmosphere in Munich um, is repressive, it is conservative, the Social Democrats even don't get much of a look in there. Um, there is the threat of uh, military action uh, unless um, a right-wing cabinet that was led by Gustav Ritter von Kahr is, uh, is introduced. The Kahr was backed by the army and by the police and by the uh, centre to right Catholic Conservative uh, Bavarian People's Party. Obviously, in uh, Germany's south, you get a far greater uh, Catholic population, as you get to Austria. Um, and one of the figures who obviously backed von Kahr uh, was uh, Adolf Hitler, who later decided to have, uh, who attempted to overthrow Kahr um, and or to corrupt Kahr at gunpoint during the um, Munich Putsch, and who later had Carr assassinated during the Night of the Long Knives. And it was with um, Gustav Ritter von Carr's tacit approval that Berlin, at Munich, I beg your pardon, was able to become this centre of reaction. Um, Right-wing groups were able to, to flourish, and given what um, Hitler had planned for him eventually, it was perhaps a, a, rather, a rather poor judgment. So, uh, Richard J. Evans writes, Cultural radicalism banished from Munich by the counter-revolutionary clampdown relocated to Berlin. Throughout the 1920s, the national capital became a byword for artistic experimentation, anti-authoritarianism, radicalism and hedonism of every variety. It became a magnet for foreigners looking for urban adventure. Celebrated by Christopher Isherwood in his novels Mr. Norris Changes Trains and Goodbye to Berlin, subsequently transmuted into the movie, movie Cabaret. Crime, murder and gangsterism were celebrated in popular culture and transformed into art by the paintings of George Grosch, 
the novel Berlin Alexanderplatz by Alfred Doblin, and the songs of Kurt Weil and Bertolt Brecht in the Threepenny, Orchestra, uh, Threepenny Opera. Um, Café Life and Cabaret um, flourished as they had done in Munich's Bohemian Schwabing district before the war. One of the interesting things to note is that many of the kind of the conventions of film noir and many of the um, early writings of um, de detective or noir fiction begin in this period in 1920s um, Berlin. A lot of the directors, writers and producers fled the Nazis and went to Hollywood and were able to bring this kind of uh, dark aesthetic um, with them. Uh, that you can see echoed in popular culture throughout the 20th century. So Berlin's uh, political magazines, satirical magazines, um, and periodicals flourished um, throughout this period. And also there were interesting developments in gender politics, women's rights, and sexual uh, liberation. Um, there was, a, you know, naked cabaret and that kind of thing, sort of thing, um, and a dramatic increase in the sort of, not so much the acceptability, but the the openness of uh, prostitution. There was a an interesting and, in many ways, tragic interplay between the um, development of sexual liberation in Berlin and also the increase in sexual exploitation. And this strengthens Nazi arguments um, throughout the period that uh, Berlin has become immoral and Berlin has become corrupted. It's become uh, the morals of uh, Berliners have been, become corrupted. Obviously, there is all sorts of kind of anti-Semitic assertions throughout this that somehow this is the work of the Jews or you know Jewish pimps or prostituting Aryan women and, and all this, this sort of. Uh, anti-Semitic uh, anti uh, kind of uh, lies. But the truth was as well that for many ordinary Germans who um, had fonder memories of the Kaiserreich, Berlin seemed unrecognisable. And this um, change, this, this transition uh, into uh, a new Weimar democracy with new politics, new economics... Uh, a new, um, a rapidly changing society, and now also new cultural values is far too much of a, a transition for a great many Germans who find the world around them uh, changing at a bewildering pace and mostly not to their liking. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Richard J. Evans writes, Viewed from Bavaria's centre of order in post-revolutionary Munich, Berlin in the 1920s seemed the very negation of the kind of military conservative traditional Germany to which the nationalists and authoritarians aspired. In most cultures, and at most times, there is a um, a lure back to the past. There is uh, a desire for uh, an imagined, uh, simpler, easier time when people were better behaved, uh, and that an authority was respected and things somehow how worked. And this is particularly prevalent after a period of national crisis, such as the, that which Germany had endured before and, and uh, after, during and after the First World War. During the war, um, Hitler was sent to recuperate in Berlin and thought it was a wonderful place. Um, he wrote that it was a, a real metropolis. And he had thought it would be the place that a, an overthrow of Weimar democracy uh, could uh, begin from. Um, he, would, he was in touch with the uh, instigators of the Cat Putsch and went to Berlin, um, flew to Berlin, uh, when the Cat Putsch broke out. But when he got there, um, he was met by striking workers who occupied Berlin Airport. Um, disguised with a false stick-on beard, and he passed himself off as uh, an accountant. Hitler managed to sort of get through the checkpoint somehow, but and noticed, but it was clear to him that even as he was um, uh, leaving the airport, that his that the putsch had already uh, failed, and that it had been defeated by the workers, and so in his view, being defeated by socialism or, or kind of Judeo-Bolshevism, as, as Hitler would probably have thought. Um, it, perhaps it's that point that Hitler's loathing for for Berlin, not just for what Berlin had become, but for Berliners for being, in his view, um, weak or unwilling to support the national cause. At that point, it began. His 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 um, loathing for the city uh, began. Um, he stated that the Berlin of Frederick the Great has been turned into a pigsty by the Jews. Um, Munich, in his, in contrast, Hitler thought, was pure um, and had been um, purified um, by uh, the Freikorps and the un-German elements of it had been wiped out. There's always some interesting linguistics when you look at Nazism. The idea of the country being sick or the country being a body or the race being a body and having this kind of bacterium, this bacillus, this germ inside it, which was Judaism. Um, the ability of the Nazis to continue adopting these kind of medicalised tropes 
um, is, is all the way to the end of the war. Uh, I think is is really interesting. Uh, in some ways, um, the way in which leading perpetrators of the Holocaust thought about the um, uh, what they were doing was that they were uh, cleansing the racial body. It's no accident that doctors um, selected the um, who would live and who would die, or who would die immediately and who would die slowly, um, at Auschwitz on the uh, on the uh, at the selection ramp. Um, because the, those SS doctors um, were believed that their, the patient really was Germany, or perhaps even Europe. Um, as Germany um, descended into, into chaos in the mid-1920s, Hitler used all sorts of, of similar kind of language about Berlin, that Berlin was sick, it was degenerate. It had quite literally caught a disease. It had caught the diseases of uh, modernity and cosmopolitanism and socialism, and any other ism that Hitler didn't like, all of which he believed were traceable back to the Jews. So Hitler switches his um, seat of revolution to Munich. Munich would be the, the pure place by, uh, by 1923, when the Munich uh, putsch began. That would be the, the kind of the um, politically and culturally cleansed place from which a, a national revolution um, to cleanse German society would begin from. That was how um, he would um, save Berlin. Um, and the example that he draws from, obviously, from the previous year, was Mussolini's March on Rome, uh, where the mere threat of uh, taking paramilitaries uh, to Rome had caused the, uh, the king to appoint uh, Mussolini as, as Prime Minister. Another parallel that Hitler drew, another example that Hitler drew, um, was that of Mustafa Kemal, or later Kemal Ataturk, in uh, Turkey, um, and how he uh, established the new capital of Ankara. Um, Richard J. Evans writes, uh, The Turkish Nationalist Revolution of uh, Mustafa Kemal had abandoned Constantinople and created a new unsullied capital far away in Ankara. In Turkey, Hitler declared, at his trial for treason, after the failure of the Beer Hall Putsch, salvation could not come from the rotten core in Constantinople. Just as in our case, the city was contaminated by democratic, pacifist, internationalised people, meaning, of course, Jews. So in Germany, there was a... A battle of ideas um, raging between those who existed in cities like Berlin, who were uh, outward-looking, interested in new ideas, interested in developments in culture and politics and science and uh, philosophy, and more inward-looking, backward-looking, parochial, traditionalist um, people who believed not only that uh, Germany was changing beyond all recognition, but who also believed um, that there were culprits behind all of this and that the, uh, the Jews were always uh, and everywhere trying to bring about uh, a change that would destroy somehow the, the German people. And this is an easy thing to spin to um, people who are bewildered by the pace of change and frightened by it. 
and who need a kind of a, a demon figure to point at. So uh, anti-Semitism found uh, its roots uh, or, or found kind of fertile ground in Germany during this period of time due to the, 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 the pace of change. Now, obviously, the idea that Jews were somehow behind modern art um, or and, and that this was kind of a, a harmful conspiracy against traditional um, uh, pastoral painting loving Germans it, it is laughable. Uh, but there were just enough um, Jewish artists, intellectuals, writers, thinkers. There were people such as the, the Frankfurt School of Social Research with uh, Adorno, people like um, Eric Fromm and um, Herbert Marcuse and all, all these kinds of figures to try to, to make this accusation stick. There were many Jews amongst the Rata Republic. But also, you have to remember that for the, the Jews made up a tiny, tiny percentage uh, 0.5% of the entire German population. And therefore, across the avant-garde scene and the radical political scene in Germany, there were countless non-Jewish um, non -Jewish figures. Now, the argument that Hitler always put across was, well, you know, they've just been deluded and tricked and lied to um, uh, by the Jews into endorsing all these non-German ideas. Either that or they're going along with it willingly and they're traitors. Um, so that sort of kind of endlessly self-reinforcing reactionary thought was prevalent, not just uh, from Hitler himself. Throughout the rest of the 1920s, there is a, a battle by uh, Goebbels, about 1925 onwards, to reclaim uh, Berlin uh, for uh, what he viewed as being uh, the, uh, the kind of traditional values of the German people, or those values that the Nazi party now uh, uh, trumpeted. Um, and there was a, 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 a decision yet to be made within the minds of the Nazis as to whether Berlin was uh, re redeemable, whether Berlin could be, could be saved. Uh, it's, it seems curious that um, from the early 1930s onwards, um, Hitler's plans to establish uh, a new city, really, on, on the rubble of the old one, uh, once he had his war, the city of Germania, um, were um, kind of coming to fruition in, in his mind. Uh, just before the war, and in the early years of the war, the, the first kind of buildings of Germania start to be uh, established. Um, and obviously the, 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 the plan ends with Hitler looking at a, a scale model of it in his bunker while Soviet shells rain down uh, on the Reich Chancellery. But I always think that Germania itself indicates that perhaps Hitler believed that Germany, uh, Berlin was irredeemable and it would perhaps be better to uh, allow a war to raise it to the ground and then build some neoclassical imperium um, in, in its place. Um, this, I think, in the uh, corners of Hitler's imagination, were, um, was what was really uh, being, uh, being considered. We shall never know. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and um, if you can support the podcast via Patreon, that would be very helpful. Obviously, we rely on a tiny trickle of ad revenue, and a, uh, the, the generosity of uh, some of our patrons. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye-bye.